from Melbourne and Minneapolis. This is for Christ's sake. Welcome to episode two of For Christ's Sake. I think, okay, can I, t- can I talk to you about this real quick? Yeah. I think it should be a For Christ's Sake. No, why would you say that? Because For Christ's Sake doesn't match up with Christ. Frighten is better. What are you talking about? <laughs> also, the dumbest if, thing people, I've ever heard. If, wait, 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 if people were looking for a Michael Crichton podcast, the word... Frightened is not in the title. I don't care if we attract people looking for Michael Crichton podcasts or I not. do. I do, Hugh. <laughs> I'm, uh, it's for Crichton's sake. For Crichton's sake doesn't work because that doesn't sound like for Christ's sake. Neither does for Christ's sake. Of course it does. It sounds almost identical to it. It's no, like it a couple of letters switched around, <laughs> which is how you play on fucking words. <laughs> for Christ's it's, sake. We've shortened his name to like a nickname where we call him Crichton. Uh. And then we've named the podcast for Christ's sake. Bye. And in order to Bye. continue to justify that title, we can only refer to the author as Christ from here on out. Uh, okay, Even during okay, the normal conversation. Okay. So welcome to <laughs> no, no, no. For Christ's Sake, where we survey no, the works no, no. of famous American deceased author Michael Christ. <laughs> Beginning with his debut novel written Michael under the Crichton. pseudonym of John Lange, Odds On. And we're up to the second chapter, but the chapter is not called Chapter 2 because all the chapters are named after points in time. Mm. What is this chapter called, then? So we've already covered Saturday, June 14th. Now we are on to Sunday, June 15th. So shall we enter into the sub-segment for Crichton Out Loud? (laughs) Yes. The first sentence of the second chapter of Odds On is Khan France, colon. You said two words. What? We're going to do the thing where we do the words back and forth. Oh, is that what we're doing? Yeah, what did you think? I forgot. I forgot we did that. Jesus Christ. Sorry, sorry. Let's start that again. Khan. France. Peter. Merritt. Ganson. Four. <laughs> I think you can say the the four. No, I no, no, no. I get all right. Fine. Yeah. Walked, shivering, out of the water, and threw himself down on a striped beach mattress on the Carlton beach. Okay, that's it. That's it. So, uh, as our listeners can tell, as opposed to the last episode where we had but three characters, Mm. Jinx, Miguel, and Barry, who was the British guy? What was his name? 
The British guy, Louis, Brady, Bobby? <laughs> I said Brian. Barry, but Brian, that's it. It was a B. We got, yeah. it. We got there. Um, it was Brian with a Y. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, so as opposed to that chapter, uh, where we just had those three characters, in here, I mean, I guess it's some other ones too. But here we are introduced to two brand new characters, you. And two mm. they? So I'm just showing some banana cream biscuits. <laughs> Holy shit. Remember when I used to eat on the podcast all the time? Yeah, you still do. You never stopped. No, I don't. I can't you even realize how I ate. No, I don't. You do it all the time now. All the time? This is like the first time I've done it. No, it's like we switched places on that particular And show. what are you talking about? We've only had one episode of this podcast, so we'll have a lot of new listeners <laughs> who won't get our references uh... to our sister podcast, Project A+. <laughs> Got a cage for them too. We didn't want to alienate them. Project A plus presents for Christ's sake. I've got my wine. I've got my banana cream biscuits. I've got my Crichton, and I've got my best bud. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yes, we've introduced two new characters: Peter Merritt, Ganch the fourth. No, sorry, Peter Gansen. Merritt, Ganson the fourth. Ganch, and who else? And his uh, frigid girlfriend-to-be. Frigid, maybe not girlfriend. No, not frigid, really. But she just doesn't like him. Nor n- Neither frigid nor girlfriend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Jenny, who is distinct from the woman from the last chapter whose name also started with, started with a J. But, Sarah. Uh, Jane. Sarah? <laughs> oh, no, that was the one from her horse girl. <laughs> Jenny. No, Jane. Jane's Jane the, the girl from the last chapter. Jane's the girl from the last chapter. Jenny's the girl from this chapter. Yeah, they're, they're very different. Uh, for instance... Very different. For instance, Jenny has big boobs. And that's that's pretty much the only description that we get of her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that she won't have sex with uh, Peter Merritt Ganson the fourth. Then the no, plot, she will not. The plot line of this little subsection revolves around this conflict where Peter Merritt gets the fourth, who goes to Harvard, I believe, says mm-hmm. I correct about that, uh, has invited this young lady to accompany him on a uh, Paris vacation, or not Paris, Fran- French vacation, in order to, uh, shall we say, get into her pants, right? Mm-hmm. But this young woman is uh, not um, receptive to this uh, attempt at seduction. Um, even though the text is sure to be queer, it's not because she uh, is, is wanting for sexual desire. Just not sexual desire for this particular man. In fact, yeah. a good portion of the subject is given to her lusting after a man, any man. That could satisfy her desire. But maybe, maybe later in the story, Jenny will have a chance to meet a real man such as Brian. We, we shall see. Who was already so capably satisfied. Jane? Yes. Jane. Um, yes. But before we uh, get onto some speculation, perhaps we should detail the narrative of this particular subsection of this chapter. Let's do it. Okay. So, it goes something like this. Peter Barrett gets in the fourth... And Jenny are vacationing in France. In the south of France. Yeah, in the town of Caen, to be specific. Indeed. 
Peter wants to get inside of Jenny's pants, but she doesn't want him to get inside of her pants, so she rebuffs him. Then, Peter decides, because of a brochure that he had, that he wants to go to Spain, and then they set off for Spain. That's it. Perhaps the atmosphere in Spain will be more conducive to allowing him to get into her pants. Mm -hmm. That's the entirety of the subsection. Let's move on to the second subsection of the chapter, which is about a character we had previously been introduced to, Mr. Jinx. Mr. Jinx. Who, as you intuited, and I did not correctly, he was not flying to Timbuktu in Africa. That's right. He is, in fact, flying to where, Hugh? Barcelona. Which is a joke that you make because the uh, omniscient narrator, limited narrator? It's a, it's a sort of subjective narrator in that it adopts the perspective of the characters it's narrating. So limited. Which is a, a literary device pioneered by authors such as James Joyce. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can compare Michael Crichton and Joyce, I think. <laughs> they both are writers. I forgot the technical term for it, but... Oh, uh, I know what it is. It's uh, interact free discourse, something like that. Interact something. Yeah, something like that. Interact free interact discourse. Yeah. Speech. I was. I got all the words right. Just the order wrong. I have a degree in literature. It's not quite to the extent of someone like Joyce, where it actually the narration can sometimes take the form of like an internal thought of the character, mm. without distinguishing it in any format sense from the rest of the omniscient mm. style narration. That's true. But it does kind of adopt the perspective of the character. It's not completely objective. Yeah, that's true. So why am I continuing to say Barcelona, which is, you know, close to the correct Spanish pronunciation, but when you're not Spanish, you do sound like a dickhead when you say it. So. Because the, as we said, the free indirect uh, speech or discourse narrator decides to point out the fact that the um, stewardess of the plane pronounces it as such, who is Spanish. Mm. That's why. So what is what happens to Jinx while he's flying to Barcelona? Well, he's unfortunately uh, seated next to a boorish large gentleman by the mm. name of Brady. Or so that he is introduced as. Indeed. Um, who takes an interest in him. Mm. And the interest is interpreted as somewhat suspicious by mm. the cautious Jenks. So Jenks gets his pocket picked uh, by this man, Brady. Uh, and the wallet is returned. Yeah. So as if he was sussing out what, what its contents were and was not actually looking to you know take anything of monetary value from Jenks, but obviously had some interest in what he was doing flying to Barcelona. Jinx is aware of the fact that his pocket has been picked. He notes the clumsiness of the attempt to determine his identity and other information. But he doesn't want Brady to know that he knows. Yeah. So he plays along with the ruse. Yes. So he gets his wallet back, then he goes to his hotel. And what happens from there? Um, he shakes Brady. Like he says he's got another engagement with a woman. Mm. Because he knows that he'll be stuck with this Brady character who clearly wants to find out more about him what he's doing in Barcelona. Yeah. Um, that works. So Brady purportedly goes back to his hotel and he knows which hotel Brady is staying at, right? Yes. Which is important for later. Yeah. Jenks goes off to play tourist a little bit. He's going to see what's happening. He knows that someone 
this Brady person and possibly other people have an interest in him. So he goes to a uh, Picasso museum. There's a and for whatever reason, political commentary. Yeah, Michael Crichton decides to insert some present tense commentary about the fact that none of the Spanish guidebooks will tell you about this Pablo Picasso museum because of uh, Picasso's political views against Franco. <laughs> It's it's not exactly elegantly inserted into the narrative. As well, <laughs> well if there's one thing I'll say about Michael, if there's one word I would often use to describe Michael Crichton, it's elegant. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, so he he goes to this museum. He goes about town a little bit. He quickly clues into the fact that a skinny man, not Brady, because we know he's not skinny, is following him, mm. and he's also rather inept at it. So he's easily able to give the impression that he's oblivious to being followed, even though he knows he's being followed. Mm. Right? And uh, he allows himself to be followed for a period of time, and then he manages to very quickly shake the tail. Mm. He goes to Brady's hotel mm -hmm. and stakes it out for a little bit, and he sees the skinny man return to the hotel and head up towards, presumably, Brady's suite. Mm. But... What is the what information are we is revealed at the end of the chapter, Gil? Is Brady in fact Brady or someone else? Well, he interrogates uh, one of the hotel employees, pretending that he needs to that he's he wants to visit his friend Brady, who's an American tourist. And the employee says, "What do you mean? We have no American tourists here." And uh, after a little bit more discussion, the guy goes, "Oh, you must mean the French tourist, the French guy who's coming." The Frenchman, Monsieur Burnet. Mm. He's like, what? Uh -huh. So this Brady guy is not American after all, but French. How strange. Mm. How strange that he did not continue his cover at the hotel that he was staying at. Mm. That's, that's where the chapter ends. If this Brady was not completely incompetent, and maybe he is, he had given the man that he was interested in, Jenks, the name of his hotel. Mm-hmm. It is not beyond the realm of possibility that they would congregate at said hotel. Mm. Why would he not maintain the ruse of being an American tourist for the employees at the hotel? Um, I suppose that question will be answered in the next chapter, or maybe not. Hopefully, hopefully. But that's, that's where we're left. That's the cliffhanger ending of this particular chapter. The revelation that the man who was already suspicious is indeed suspicious because he's not even being truthful about his accent. Mm. So, I must say, Hugh, in this chapter, I feel like Crichton's personality isn't quite as evident. Except for the misogyny. Yeah, the misogyny was very much in force <laughs> at the head of the chapter. So, should I read some of the Jenny stuff? <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be infinity with our, the, our reading of the Jane stuff. There was one passage that sort of struck me about her legs quivering. You go for it. For Crichton out loud. It was sad. Apparently, Peter was not going to relax, and that was too bad, for it meant that she would have to fight another man. She knew from experience that men that who could satisfy her were few and hard to find. Now Peter wanted to go to Spain. Did he think she would climb into bed just because it was a Spanish bed and not a French one? If he did, he was being foolish, and he would soon learn it. On the other hand, perhaps he might finally loosen up in Spain, under the influence of a different environment. Almost without realizing, she felt her thighs begin to rub together, slowly up and down. She stopped herself with an effort. She would give him one last chance, she decided, in Spain. I thought that was pretty amusing. But it wasn't. there's nothing quite on the same level as that uh, glorious passage. No, it doesn't quite go that far. It does, talk, it does describe her breasts as globes at one point. I remember that. 
Yes. Yeah. Mmm. <laughs> uh, more, more biscuits. Mmm. So, so unprofessional. Mmm. Well, uh, I think that's about it, right? Unless we have something else to say about this particular chapter. Hmm. Not, a, not a lot happened in this one. <laughs> no, but can I just say, let me just swallow my banana cream mm. biscuit. Please. Take a sip of wine. I think like the, the delicious flavors of banana cream and wine mixing together. <laughs> can I just say? Uh-huh. Uh, the segment of this chapter where it was focused on the stuff with Brady and Jenks mm. and that sort of light espionage shenanigans. Uh-huh. Quite enjoyed. <laughs> that, that part felt very like uh, a ripoff of uh, Ian Fleming to me. So I read this on the toilet. That's <laughs> just <laughs> about the appropriate place. And I was I was getting into the, the whole, you know, charade between these two characters. <laughs> well, that makes you sound like a loser, so... I, th- I think there is something to be said for this type of writing, for this type uh-huh. of thriller. If you're in the right mood for it, you know, yeah. you can go along with this type of stuff. Yeah. Except for it gets ruined by all the sexist stuff. Indeed. So where where do we think this story is going in the next chapter? Well, uh, presumably uh, Jinx and Miguel and probably Brian are going to meet up in, Fran- in uh, Spain, rather. And then they're going to do a heist and probably Ginny uh, uh, here is going to get involved somehow. Because why else would she be in the story? <laughs> and not just Jenny, but that other guy. What other guy? Peter oh. Merritt Ganson the yeah. Fourth. Yeah. No, he doesn't seem very consequential to me. I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if he just didn't make uh, much of an appearance in any, any other part of the hmm. the show. So the book, you know. And the focus will be on Jenny and her globes, <laughs> and how a real man like Brian can satisfy her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can only hope.